the last two lines in the, uh, that song, uh, Till He Returns or Calls Me Home, Here in the Power of Christ I Stand, is really, in many ways, what 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 is about. Um, it's about Paul's, uh, I, I think, I'm going to say amazement. I think probably amazement is not too strong a word. Paul's amazement, though he shouldn't really be amazed, but even even the um, the great apostle Paul, I think, um, got a bit depressed at times. But he's 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 amazed at how the Thessalonians are standing for Christ whilst they wait uh, for the return of Christ. And I think that's really what one Thessalonians chapter one is about. When Chris gave me the the title. Um, he gave me the title uh, Thanksgiving. Um, that's a key part of uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I mean, it starts with um, Paul uh, talking about how thankful he is. Uh, but there's so much more in there than that, that I couldn't just sort of stick to, to that. However hard I tried, I couldn't stick to just that title. So I've got a different title, with apologies, um, though Thanksgiving is, is still in there. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to, I hope, find out, as I found in the preparation, what an amazing uh, passage this is. I mean, Paul is he's a, he's a, fa- a fantastic writer, isn't he? Just packs so much in, you know. Um, you could, I mean, let's face it. If this was if this was Steve preaching, this would be a year because there's there's so there's so there's so much in here. There is so much in here. But I haven't got the privilege of that. I've been told to do it in one evening. Um, which probably suits my style a little bit better. Um, but there is so much, and we're just going to scratch the surface this evening. Um, but I, I, I apologise, I couldn't fit it into the, the, the sort of, uh, just into the Thanksgiving pot. So we're, we're, we're ranging a bit further afield. And I think really what this is about, it's, it's just about the impact of the gospel. It's about the power of the gospel and the change that the gospel uh, uh, makes in, in, in individual lives, um, both in the lives of those people hearing it, but also, interestingly, in the lives of those preaching it. That's what we're going to find out. It's a fantastic passage. Let's pray before we look at it. Dear Lord, thank you for the privilege of uh, looking now at uh, this wonderful passage from your wonderful book, the Bible. Help us, as we look at it, to um, to learn and to be changed and equipped that we might be better disciples of you in the week to come and in the months to come. Amen. Amen. Okay, um, as you know, uh, it is my won't when I get the, uh, the opportunity to preach to always start with a, um, a slide with uh, a painting on it. Um, so I've called this, as I said, I've called this the impact of the gospel. And uh, there is a uh, there is a painting here which shows, in a way, the impact of the gospel. Unfortunately, but perhaps not surprisingly, um, there is no famous painting called the conversions conversion of the Thessalonians. So the best I could do was this, which is the conversion of St. Paul by Caravaggio. Um, very famous painting by a very famous, uh, worthily famous um painter what a magnificent horse i think it was just an excuse to paint a horse really wasn't it this painting but um, but to be fair you've got paul um on the floor there um because of the impact of meeting uh, the risen christ and of course this is this is in a sense this is a link in the chain so you've got christ appears to paul paul is converted paul then goes out 
and preaches to others. But what you will see in this passage is that then those others have an impact on others. And that's the, that's the, the chain of the gospel. And that's what we're going to, uh, we're going to see. So, um, so this is all about, uh, I think this is all about the impact of the gospel. Now, um, the, all the, the chapters in 1 Thessalonians are going to be preached to you by different people. There's been serious criticism um, in, in the press recently about this civilizations program, the new thing about art and how having different presenters has led to a bit of a botch job. Um, <laughs> so, so you have been warned. <laughs> you have been warned. Uh, but I do get the privilege, I get the privilege of going first, so you can't compare me with anybody else, which is probably just as well. Um, uh, and also I get the privilege of, uh, of talking to you about the context, which I love. I love, I love talking about context. Um, so these these uh, these, uh, these coloured uh, lines here, all the different uh, journeys that, that Paul went on, uh, just so that you know, um, from Jerusalem up to Thessalonica here, which is um, the church that he's writing to, is about one and a half thousand miles if you walk it. I did it on Google Maps. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's one and a half thousand miles, and it takes twenty days to walk, according to Google Maps. That's today. Whether uh, whether it would have been slower or quicker at that time, I don't know. With Roman roads, it might have been quicker. Um, but that's how far apart they are. So it gives you some idea. Um, and we're talking here about the gospel first reaching Europe. So it's it's significant. This is this is significant stuff. Um, you'll notice that um, the uh, the letter is from Paul. Silvanus and Timothy. Now, Silvanus is just Silas, Silvanus being the Roman form of Silas. So it's from Paul, Silas and Timothy. And you'll probably know lots about Paul, Silas and Timothy from Acts. Um, but, but sort of the context here is that Paul and Barnabas, uh, Paul had done his first uh, journeys with, with Barnabas. They have, a, they have a falling out, if you remember. And so uh, Paul takes Silas, who was with Paul and Barnabas at that point. Paul takes Silas as his companion. Um, and they're, they're here, and they travel around here, and when they get to Lystra here, they pick up Timothy, um, who is a great young Christian uh, operating that area. He's got, he's got good references. If you read Acts, he has great references. So Paul decides to appoint him as, uh, as his, uh, another companion. I think he'll be really useful. And they travel on. Now, this is, it gets really interesting here, because it's probably the only time in, in Acts where we get... Um, really clear um, information about how Paul decided to do what he decided to do. Um, it, and in that, he's, it, it, actually there seems to be intervention from the Holy Spirit. Um, some of that is negative, some of it is positive. Um, they, they were going to go up here to Bithynia to, to preach, but Paul says, or it's, uh, Luke says in Acts, that they were prevented from so doing. Um, so they, they actually come down to Troas here. Um, and at Troas, Paul has a vision of the man of Macedonia uh, saying, come to Macedonia and preach to us. And Macedonia is that northern part of uh, Greece. Um, you know, these days there's a fight over who owns the name, whether it's this country or that country. But it's that area. It's, it's uh, Alexander the Great's country. And in fact, Thessalonica, as, as we will find out, has uh, had a lot of links to Alexander the Great. 
So that is the area where, where Paul um, has ended up. So that's your, that's your context. So Paul, Silas and Timothy have travelled together uh, to Thessalonica. Uh, they preach there. There's, there. there's trouble there, as we'll find out. They, they have to move on. Um, and, uh, and, and Paul is interested in what's going on. So he, um, what, you know, what has happened in Thessalonica is the church being established. So he sends back, he goes down to Athens, and he sends back, he sends uh, Silas and Timothy back to Thessalonica to find out what's going on. And they come back and they meet Paul in Corinth, because Paul is now in Corinth, and they say to him, good news, good news. Uh, the Thessalonian church is established and they are standing um, for God in difficult times. And Paul is, is really uh, encouraged, as we will find out. Um, so that's basically uh, the background. Okay. Um, so, oh, yes. Um, I don't know who these people are, um, but uh, <laughs> um, we hear a lot, don't we, um, about the before and after. So uh, this is, this is I think this is a, an advert. It's an advert for a particular diet plan, um, but I, I, I don't know which one. Um, so uh, you can probably tell these are Americans. Uh, there's a it, uh, there's an advert here for a particular diet plan, and here's the here's the before, and there's the after, and look at the improvement, amazing improvement before and after. Got another before and after here. Now, <laughs> I thought it was Chris, but <laughs> but it's not. Actually, I thought I thought this was Chris two years ago, and that was Chris now. <laughs> um, that's cruel, isn't it? I wish he was here, but anyway. Um, but actually, it's not. But it's 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 an advert for some hair product, you know. I, and I think I'm first in line because if you know rubbing a, whatever this product into into your scalp, you get from there to there. Well, you know, I'm up for that. So, um, before and after. The problem is. The problem is, obviously, that the before and after that the world uh, is interested in is, is gen generally it's, it's physical, uh, it might be social, it <laughs> might be political, but sadly, 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 it's never spiritual. And yet that is the most important before and after. Um, and, and we will see why that is so in this passage, but... Uh, the before and after that Paul is talking about here in this passage is so profound, and yet so sadly, um, you know, the the world uh, is so often not interested. So let's have a look at, at uh, a before and after. This is the way I want to go through uh, the uh, the passage. I want to talk about first of all the God who intervenes. So if there's a before and an after, there's got to be a reason for there being a before and an after, and God's the reason. God is the God who intervenes. Um, in, in Hebrew, I believe, God who intervenes is El Shaddai. And the, it was a, a name that the, the Hebrews sometimes used for God. A God who, who steps into our time and our place and makes, makes a difference. Um, and Paul talks about the God who intervenes. But then he talks about the intervention, which is Paul, Silas and Timothy in Thessalonica, and uh, the impact. So we're going to look briefly at the God who intervenes, and then we're going to look a little bit about the impact of the intervention, um, the, the encounter that Paul, Silas and Timothy have um, with uh, the Thessalonians and what happens. But I want to, I want, what, what for me is really striking 
is how, as Paul describes that human encounter, the, the encounter that he has with the Thessalonians, he weaves through it all the time the impact that God has on that encounter. The fact that it's God-directed, God-inspired, God-organised. And I think that's really, really important. So I want to look at that uh, first of all. So, if you, you look at the uh, look at the passage, uh, you'll find um, that uh, all the time, what Paul is telling us is that this encounter is God inspired and God organised. So, if we look at um, verse four, so he starts to describe the um, the encounter, particularly in verse four. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. So straight away, the context is that this has all happened because God loves you and God has chosen you. It wouldn't have happened otherwise. You know, this is ultimately not something which is all down to the great preaching of Paul or the, the you know, evangelism strategy that Paul, Silas and Timothy had. Of course, that's part of it. But ultimately, what Paul recognises is that the, it's the influence here of God has made the difference. So God loves the Thessalonians. God chooses the Thessalonians. And that's why this has happened. But God also works um, through, uh, through Christ's death and resurrection. So you've got God the Father working in this situation. You've also got Christ working. So if you look at... Um, verse uh, verse six. Um, the the Thessalonians, in their conversion and in their Christian life, they become imitators. Yes, of Paul, Silas, and Timothy, but also of Jesus. So Jesus, if you like, is is in there as an example. But of course, more profoundly, if you look at verse ten, um, Jesus is uh, is in this because they are waiting in hope for Jesus's return. Um, in the knowledge that Jesus has been raised for, from the dead, therefore they know their faith is not in vain, um, and knowing that it was Jesus who came into the world in history, came into Palestine and rescued them through his death on the cross. So God the Father is acting, God the Son is acting, but also notice that God the Holy Spirit is acting in all of this. So in verse 6, um, it says that God... The Holy Spirit um, is acting, it says, um, so the joy of the Holy Spirit um, in, sorry, I think I've got that around the wrong way. Around. No, no, I haven't. In verse 6, the power and the conviction of the, the Holy Spirit. Um, and then in verse 7, uh, no, I have got it around the wrong way. Anyway, it's there. Take it from me. All right, I think I've got the verses uh, just slightly wrong. So what you've got is the Holy Spirit um convicting them of their sin and making the difference it's the power of the holy spirit uh, working in paul's preaching and then you've also got the holy spirit um giving them uh, joy uh, which is in verse six notice the trinity um i mean i said the other the other day about um the fact that the jehovah's witnesses came to the door and were arguing with me about uh, the trinity and i was thinking um and we, where where would i go you know, I was thinking in my head as I was talking, where would I go to prove the Trinity? And I came up with, um, 
with, for example, the Great Commission, and I came up with Jesus' baptism. I certainly didn't come up with 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. But the more I read it, the more you can see the Trinity absolutely woven through everything that um, Paul writes here. Because there's God the Father acting, God the Son acting, and God the Holy Spirit acting. Um, the Trinity is, is very obviously there. Um, in this passage. So what Paul is saying is that this has all happened because God has organised it and God has directed it. But of course, he's also saying um, that uh, that people um, have been involved. So God acted outside time. So uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says that um, we were chosen before the creation of the world. So God acts outside time to choose us even before um, we were born, God had chosen us, but then in time, God acts. So God acts through what uh, Paul, Silas um, and Timothy are doing, and then through what the uh, Thessalonians are doing. It's hard to get your head round, but God is both outside time acting and inside time acting. But when he acts in time, he acts through us, and that's the great privilege. So he converted Paul. Paul then went and spoke to the, the, the Thessalonians. The Thessalonians then, their conversion and their faithfulness, it says, rang out across um, Macedonia and uh, Achaia. Achaia being Greece, the southern part of Greece. So the whole of Greece, um, you know, he says, the whole of Greece, or all the churches in Greece anyway, know about your conversion and about what's happening to you. So there's that God is acting through Paul, Silas, Timothy, but he's also acting uh, through the Macedonians. So this is what I think uh, is happening here. Um, it's an encounter. And I was thinking about encounters. Um, brief encounter. Celia Johnson and Trevor Howard. A brief encounter. Presumably... Um, profoundly affecting them for the rest of their life. Um, I was thinking about some of the brief encounters I've had in my life. Uh, now looking back at my age, uh, university, three years. That was a fairly brief encounter with a lot of people. What, what effect did they have on me? But perhaps more pertinently, what effect did I have on them as a Christian in a, you know, a largely secular university? What, what impact did I have on them? Two years I worked for Nat West in, in the city of London. It affected me, definitely. Certainly told me banking wasn't for me. But what, what effect did I have on those other people? We have so many encounters through our life. What's the impact that the encounter has on us? How do we learn from it? But what's the impact that we have on other people? And do we have an impact on them for the gospel? This is what happened in... Um, in, in Thessalonica. Paul, Silas and Timothy come to Thessalonica. They meet the Thessalonians. There's an encounter. Short, few weeks, no more. Um, and, uh, and then, as a result of that, they go their separate ways. Um, as we know, Paul, Paul goes on to, uh, to Athens and then Corinth. Um, and what's happened to the group of Thessalonians that Paul meets? Well, it's split now. The Gospel is split that Thessalonian group, mainly people going to the synagogue, they have been split into those who have accepted the gospel and those who have rejected the gospel. 
and there's quite serious opposition um, to Paul and his companions and that's why they have to get out fast. The gospel does that when it's preached properly. It splits people. People accept it or they reject it. That was the impact of the encounter here. Because it was preached faithfully and forcefully, it split the the Thessalonians into these two groups. A group that accepted the gospel and a group that rejected it. And then Paul, Silas and Timothy went off. uh, But they were affected too, as we will see. You know, it wasn't just one way. It wasn't just that in the encounter, uh, Paul, Silas and Timothy had an impact on the Thessalonians. Actually, the Thessalonians had an impact on Paul, Silas and Timothy as well. I was talking, thinking about this. I was thinking about us now. I mean, obviously I'm talking. So you might, you might simply say, well, this encounter is only going one way, as in I'm talking to you. But no, the encounter is going both ways because I'm looking at your expressions. Quite worrying, so <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm looking at your expressions. Um, I'm, you know, you're obviously, you're feeding back uh, it to me. You may say something to me at the end. Whatever. The, every encounter is two ways. Even if we say nothing, the way that we listen uh, makes a big difference. So all encounters are two ways. And this one was very obviously uh, two ways. So let's, let's, let's think about it. Okay, so before the um, encounter, first of all, a little bit more about Thessalonica. Um, again, you know, I'm preaching uh, on this first, so I get the chance to say a little bit uh, more about it. Um, it's a major regional capital. I don't know what the equivalent would be in the UK. It might be Manchester or something like that. It's uh, a northern, in Greece anyway, it's a sort of fairly northern city. Um, but it's the capital of Macedonia, which is uh, a famous province because it was where, as we said, it's where Alexander the Great came from. It's a significant uh, province. Uh, Macedonia, um, you know, is, is, is a major and long-established Roman province. Uh, Thessalonica is, a, uh, is, is the capital. It is also the biggest uh, city in Thessalonica. It's a big trading uh, port. It's on a, um, a major route. It's on the main route going east um, towards Asia. Um, and, uh, and the Middle East from, uh, from, from Greece and Italy. So it's, it's the, on the main road, if you like. So it's a very, very significant place. It's probably very cosmopolitan. And in the, in the synagogue, um, you've got um, not just Jews uh, in the synagogue, as you would expect, but you've got uh, quite a lot of Greeks in the synagogue because, obviously, um, Thessalonica is a Greek city, uh, very much a Greek city, and you've got uh, Greeks within uh, the synagogue who are uh, either converts to uh, Judaism or certainly seeking, very attracted by uh, the, the, the Jewish religion. And they are particularly receptive um, to the gospel, it appears. But if you look in verse 9 as well, um, it says that uh, you turn from idols. Now, it could be that Paul means you turn from idols, then you had a halfway house of coming to the synagogue, and then you became Christians. It could be that that's what he means. Or it could be that there are some uh, Greeks here who wouldn't probably be associated with synagogue, or maybe um, were just seeking at that point, who've been converted, if you like, 
directly from paganism into uh, Christianity. Um, but certainly um, there are Jews that Paul is preaching to and there are also uh, Greeks probably at various stages on their spiritual journey. Those are the people uh, to whom uh, Paul preaches. Um, just as an aside, the commentaries that I, that I read all agreed that they, the, the most of the people um, who Paul was preaching to and who became Christians were probably not that well off. Although Thessalonica was a reasonably well off place, there would have been a whole strata of society. And uh, it's expected that they're not particularly well off because there's nothing in the Thessalon in either of the books, Thessalonian books, about the dangers of money or anything like that. So they, they tend to think that it's probably the case that um, they weren't particularly well off and that this wasn't a particular danger for them, maybe. Um, so that's, that's who we think um, Paul was, was preaching to. So that's, that's the before. Now, just as an aside, of course, there's another before before, which is God's chosen some of them before the creation of the world. But that's a before before. Right. Um, this, is, this, is the, um, this is how I see the encounter. Um, on and under the surface. So there is, there's stuff going on that everybody can see on the, on the surface. So if you were to sort of do a film of it, this is what you'd be showing. But there's also what's going on under the surface. And Paul wants us to be very aware, as I said, of what goes on under the surface. So this is what's going on on the surface. You've got Paul, Silas and Timothy. They're doing two things in the few weeks that they're there. They're preaching, obviously, but they're also exemplifying they're actually showing through their life and their Christian witness how um, uh, the, uh, the Thessalonians should live. I mean, it says in verse 6, you became imitators of us. Well, the only way they could have done that is if they'd seen enough of them to become imitators. So it's not just preaching, it's exemplifying as well. And of course, we know that that's so important, that we need to do both. It's both word and life um, as, a, as a witness. But notice, as I said, there's, there's, there's another, there's also, it's coming the other way as well, because the Thessalonian church are not entirely passive here, because they are actively watching, and they're actively listening, and they're learning, and they're thinking, and of course, uh, many of them uh, become converted. But what's going on under the surface, God the Holy Spirit is enacting God's plan, and we're told it's, it's happening in two ways. The Holy Spirit is empowering Paul and Silas and convicting the Thessalonians. So you've got the Holy Spirit working through both sides of what's going on. And this is the after. So the after on the Thessalonian church, first of all, uh, profound, profound change, amazing change. First thing that Paul uh, talks about is faith, hope, and love. So if you look in verse 3, um, when he, he's saying, uh, thanking uh, God about them, he says, we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. So we've got that triplet of faith, hope, and love, which of course Paul uses um, elsewhere um, in his writings. Faith, hope, and love. And it's also used in Hebrews, and it's also used by Peter. So it must have been something that the you know the the early uh, <coughs> church you know knew really well. This idea of um, this triplet of faith, hope, and love. 
which really summed up uh, the Christian life. Now, for me, I think, what again, if you read what Paul's writing, there's, there's, a, um, there's a sort of sequence. So the, the Thessalonians are converted. <coughs> As a result, they have faith. Paul sees that they also have hope. They're waiting in hope for Jesus' return. They also have love. They become imitators of Paul, and their life and the way that they live is uh, ringing out throughout the whole of Greece, and and that's because they have love one for another. Um, So there's faith, hope, and love. What what does that look like, though, for them in practice? Because we talk about the importance of faith, hope, and love, but it looked maybe slightly different in different contexts. And the question for us is, what, what does it look like for us? But for them, what does it look like? Well, Paul says it produces work, labour and endurance. Work is what we do. Fine. It's what we do. What is labour? Well, labour is hard work. So I think Paul is saying, um, it's not just about works, it's not just about doing things, but actually the Christian life is about doing hard things. It's about things that are going to be difficult and tough. Um, that's what he's saying. Because that word labour, I mean, I think it, it has it, that sense in English as well. But certainly in the Greek, it means hard work. So you've got work, you know, work done that's tough and difficult. So that's being produced. And it's done in the context of endurance. So it's not only hard work, but it's work that requires real endurance. Endurance because the context is difficult. Because there's opposition. There's people trying to stop the work. There's people trying to undermine what's going on. So it's hard work in a difficult context. Well, again, we might say, fine, it's hard work in a difficult context. So what does it actually look like? Come on, let be more specific, Paul. Tell us really specifically what's, what's going on. Well, he, gives, he tells us four things that, 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 that actually is going on. Now, first of all, he talks about their repentance. They're turning away from idols and turning to God. You know, repentance, a turning away and a turning to. And you might say, well, that's not, that's, that's just what's happened. That's their conversion. Well, no, it isn't, actually. Because the repenting is an ongoing thing. So they, they've turned away from idols, but they've turned to God. And that's a continuing thing. Because the pressure, the pressure to go back would have been intense, I'm sure. They were living in a, in a largely pagan city. The pressure to go back to being pagans would have been very, very strong indeed. It would have been difficult to have carried on being a, a Christian. It would have been awkward. It would have been um, you know, hard work. It, there, there would have been persecution. So the repenting, that turning, turning from and turning to is a continuing work that they have to do. But there's also the work of imitating. So they are imitating both Paul, Silas and Timothy, and also imitating Christ. Now that's, that's a high standard. That's hard work. Imitating. Imitating in the way that they love each other within the church. Imitating in the way they love their neighbours. Imitating in the way that they spread uh, the word of Christ. All of that, is hard work. So repenting, imitating, suffering is part of their work. There's no doubt that um, that they were coming under a lot of pressure. Um, we're not sure exactly what kind of pressure, 
um, they were coming under, but it, it may have been physical violence, we don't know. Um, it was certainly, it would have been, I suspect, economic difficulty, as in, um, you know, they might have found it difficult to get a job, and so on. Um, they're suffering. They're suffering. And then they're waiting. And again, you know, we don't immediately think maybe of waiting as, as, as a positive thing, but it is. If you're waiting in hope, and that's what underpins this, if you're waiting in hope for Jesus to come back, so verse 10, to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath, if they're waiting positively, that's work. That's work. Because, again, um, you know, it is, it's, going to, it's going to be worship uh, in their life, in their coming together, in their Bible study. That's the kind of waiting they're doing. It's a positive waiting. It's an active waiting. They're not just sitting there saying, come on, come on, come on. They're actually, the, the implication here is that they're positively waiting. They're doing things, um, you know, while they're waiting. So, faith, open love for the Thessalonian church um, is producing work, hard labour, endurance, specifically a constant repenting. Uh, a constant imitating, a constant suffering, and a constant waiting. And what does Paul say? He says, your faith has become known everywhere. Well, where does he mean by everywhere? Well, certainly Macedonia and Achaia. Because in Macedonia and Achaia, you have become a model to all the believers. And the Lord's message has rung out from you um, in Macedonia and Achaia and, and further. And rang out is a... Um, the, the Greek word there is the word that gives us echo. And it's an idea of a really big noise that just sort of keeps on going. You know, so they, this, is, this, is, this is a big ripple effect. Their, um, you know, their, their life um, is, is affecting other people. But as we said, it's not just, the, this impact of the gospel is not just on the Thessalonians. I mean, that's, that's amazing enough, but it goes the other way. So Paul, Silas and Timothy are also um, affected. And before we look at that, I just want to read to you um, two other bits. Um, so this is, uh, this is Acts um, chapter 18, and then I'm going to, I don't know who's reading, who's uh, preaching uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, but I'm going to nick a little bit of their thunder by reading a couple of verses from um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 as well. But this is from Acts uh, chapter 18, verses 5 and 6. It says, When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads, I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Um, I mean, Paul had been thinking about this for a while, but, um, but now he very clearly says, I am now going to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Um, why? Well, if you just read that bit, um, it appears that it's the opposition of the Jews has convinced Paul to be an apostle to the Gentiles. But just hold on one moment. That is part of it. Uh, this is 1 Thessalonians uh, 3 and verse 6, 6 and 7. Um, and Paul obviously writing to the Thessalonians. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us, just as we also long to see you. Therefore, 
brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. So the whole book, the festival or the letter to the Thessalonians, is full of uh, Paul's encouragement when he, you know, when he hears what's going on in Thessalonica, he is so encouraged. And we've heard some of the, the great things that are going on already. He is so encouraged. He says it specifically in chapter three. So encouraged um, that uh, he wants to write back to them, and that's 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 the letter that we have. But I think maybe I'm pushing pushing it a bit too far. You can tell me afterwards if you think I am. But the situation, he's in Corinth, he's having a lot of opposition from the Jews. He gets a letter from Thessalonica saying about how uh, the Greeks in Thessalonica have embraced the gospel. And look what's happened. And then he turns around and says, from now on, my ministry will be to the Gentiles. I think it's both push and pull. I think he's being, he's, he's made his decision, I'm sure after a lot of prayer and uh, and, and he will have known about the way the Holy Spirit's been working. But he has decided, well, the Jews are giving me lots of opposition. The Gentiles, many of them, look at those people in Thessalonica, are embracing the gospel. They're keen to hear it. They want to hear it. I think, you know, I think we're going to, I'm going to go, I'm starting at the, I've sort of shot to the end. But I think, I think that, um, that this is a really significant moment. I think that the encouragement that Paul got from his encounter with Thessalonians and the impact that the gospel had on them alters, finally, once and for all, his strategy. Now, he has been thinking about this for a while, and it's not the only factor, clearly, that makes him change his mind. But one, you know, I'm going to push the boat out and say, I think this, is, this, this encounter that Paul has with the Thessalonian church is a big part of his decision to become specifically... Uh, apostle to the Gentiles and for us you know as Europeans that's significant because of course that that drove a lot of his um, ministry thereafter um, including in Europe and going to Rome and so on so there's a big impact on Paul Silas and Timothy they're encouraged we've seen that um, they're thankful we get that at the beginning you know that's how he starts the letter I'm so thankful they're prayerful you know they want to they want to pray to God about how wonderful this is but interestingly, I think they may also have been altered in strategy. Um, and therefore, this could be really, really significant. Um, so for me, what am I saying? I suppose I'm saying this chapter is just an amazing glimpse into this before and after. This before the gospel comes and after. And it's a glimpse into how it works as well. It works through people. It works through people who are themselves affected by the encounter. But obviously, underneath it all, there's God and a Trinitarian God inspiring it, organising it, directing it. There's much more we could say, but I'm going to leave it there. Shall we pray again? Dear God, thank you um, for all that there is in this chapter. Um, not surprisingly... Um, Paul is so thankful for what he hears that has happened in Thessalonica that despite the way in which the gospel was rejected by so many there is a faithful few who embrace the gospel excitedly, willingly um, and with true faith and who are profoundly changed so profoundly changed 
that their example has an influence not just in their own city, uh, not just in their own country, uh, but further afield. Thank you for the power of the gospel. Help us uh, to hold that truth close to us this week and help us to ask, what encounters are we going to have this week? What difference will they make to us and what difference will they make to other people? Amen.